Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder. 
It's the podcast where I speak to bands and artists about their journeys in playing music, how they've got through it all, all the different ups and downs that we know the music industry can throw at people. Those are the stories and the memories that I'm trying to get. James Skelly joins us on today's episode. The Coral's new album, Sea of Mirrors, is out tomorrow. And there's a second album, Holy Joe's Coral Island Medicine Show, released only on physical formats too. James told me some great stories, old and new, about the coral, uh, being a bit of a dreamer, and what he's thinking about, the kind of place he goes to when he's writing these incredible songs. Thanks so much for joining me. If you like this show, if you like this episode, make sure you subscribe. Got loads of episodes with great bands and artists coming out all the time. So when you subscribe, you'll get notified as and when they all come out. Before we get into the episode, I'm going to speak with Rebecca from the band Eka, who's also a brand ambassador for Ampolo, which is a practice at home app. It's getting to the end of wedding season. So if there's anyone out there who's been playing in a wedding band, about to play in a wedding band and needs to get their chops up on a Paul McCartney baseline where he doesn't play the same thing twice, Ampolo is the app for you. The one wedding I played as a larger band, I remember I actually messed up my Spotify account because of it. Ampolo would have been a lifesaver. Yeah, you could hear it back, hear yourself play it. And that probably has, I mean, that definitely has that kind of subconscious impact of being like, yeah, I can do that. If I did it then, I can do it again now. Exactly, yeah. You're not having to like run over to your laptop the whole time, set up a new recording channel, all that kind of stuff. That's Ampolo. It's free. You can download it from the App Store now. Happy practicing. Right now, here's James Skelly from The Coral. Well, this is a good place to start. When you think about the years that you've had with The Coral and, and presumably the different kind of journeys you've had within yourself of writing more songs than others at particular times in your life, what, what like main things can you attribute to being able to prioritise music? Is it like where you live? Is it the people that you're around by, that you're surrounded by? Or is it like, is it something deep inside of you? You just got to, you got to fucking do. Yeah, it's, it's kind of all of that. I, originally, I, I sort of, I was never musical. I just saw it as like, it, it was, we lived in like a pub and there was a couple of estates either side of it. And the like, all the lads had skinheads and that, and they'd fight outside the pub. And then next minute, they suddenly had like Beatles haircuts because Oasis had come out. And yeah. that was the sort of first experience where I'd had, and you'd hear one of them bladdered singing Wonderwall outside the window. Yeah. And then you saw Oasis and the Beatles anthology came out at the same time. And I more saw it as a way that I didn't have to get a proper job. And then from there, I got into music, but I didn't originally yeah. start. See, I just thought they look like they seem like lads like us. Maybe we could do that, and then I won't have to. I won't have to yeah. learn how to change a plug. <laughs> Music's—it's a feeling, isn't it? It's a culture. I often think about the bands that I've really fallen in love with in my life. It's the music, yeah, sure, but it's also the way it makes me feel and what I identify with. It's like when you get a T-shirt of a band that you love. You feel part of it, yeah. I, I think um, I think we've we've sort of only really connected with our fans probably post Butterfly House. I would say before we were never we were never really on. I remember when it was like MySpace and all that. We never really got it. There wasn't really a way 
reconnected with your fans really in that way that we that we saw. We were we were kind of quite insular, and uh, now we have a really yeah. It's like we feel like one with our fans. Like we couldn't do anything we do without them. That's great to hear. I really felt that on Coral Island. I think when Coral Island came out, it. I don't know if it was you were posting more on Twitter and Instagram or whether you found your personality being able to shine there. But I, I really felt when Coral Island came out, I was like, yeah, I feel like I know this band more than I've ever done before. Yeah, well, I think it was lockdown. In lockdown, everyone was kind of looking back, weren't they, and sort of remember in their memories or whatever. Mm. And we started, you know, we'd... We were just putting up stuff of the fair. Someone put up something of the fair. I think we put up something of the very, even before we did the first album. And loads of people really liked it. So we were just posting stuff and it sort of reconnected us with people. And then yeah, when we got round to Coral Island, it was like people had come back round to us. We hadn't really moved, but maybe the world had turned and it felt like it had come back, you know everything's in ratio but for us it was really great and just to have that connection especially after like lockdown and everything yeah it made you look at everything differently and and um cherish your fans more were you writing a lot in lockdown or what was your story when it when it came to that time where where everyone was indoors what was your i mean we'd finished coral island as lockdown hit so we sat on it through lockdown so sea of mirrors the new album and and holy joe half of those were made and written in lockdown coral island wasn't but it just happened to be that sort of side this abandoned seaside town thing yeah that sort of connected with with how everyone was feeling and i think with coral island it was sort of lockdown's gonna end and then it didn't then we just thought just put it out. I don't care anymore. No one's going to like it anyway. And then everyone else shelved their albums. So we kind of had this free run at it. And, and it's, yeah, it just seemed to work for us. You know, sometimes it's timing. Everything's timing. It's always cool to see when it gets in the charts. It got to number two in the official albums chart. How, how much do, does that matter to you? How much do you care about that sort of stuff? To be yeah, it, it just was, it felt, it just, I mean, we were really grateful for it and it felt like all the fans got behind us and it, it kind of meant more. We got to number one on our second album and I remember just being stoned in a, in America in the bus and we were watching Eight-Legged Freaks and we got told and we were like, all right, okay, carried on watching the film. Paul, Paul Duffy, had, he, he'd gone out to get KFC and we must have forgot to tell him when he got back. And about two weeks ago, he only just found out Magic and Medicine was number one. He was made up. He's still <laughs> he's still partying off it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah, true story. There's a, there's a thing with like seaside towns in England. Everyone from the cities goes down with money and spent splashes out for a week or two, and then and then winter time it kind of goes. You know, quiet again. Yeah, I think. I mean, you look at Blackpool, and it's like it's it's just it's been left to kind of rot. But it could be a, you know, you think, oh, what a place that could be, or what a place it was at one time. Blackpool, mm-hmm. New Brighton, at one time. I don't know whether I've got a mythical version of it, but I kind of see it as our 
Coney Island at one time. You look at all the old pictures of it, and mm. maybe it never existed, but there's something about that where you think, well, surely there's still a place for that. I mean, Holy Joe, the full name is Holy Joe's Coral Island Medicine Show. What's the thinking behind that? Is that kind of ca- is that is that because you're you're still like in that world of of songwriting from Coral Island? Is it like a continuation of of that vision? Yeah, it's well. One, we were like, let's make the the lesser budget sequel, and um, we'd had the idea of doing the radio show for a while. And as we were doing the album, it was sort of like we we'd recorded maybe like 10, 11 songs in Par Street because that was closing down. But we just had like guide vocals, drums, acoustic, bit of bass on some. And when we took it away, we realised we actually had two albums. Uh, one was like sort of narrative, like our sort of, like almost a Mersey beat take on like country. Uh, and then the other one was a more stream of consciousness type poetic thing that turned into see mirrors. And... Uh, so when we took them away, we had to decide what they were. And Ian and Nick had had this idea about the radio show and Holy Joe was a character because they'd done a book for Coral Island called Over Coral Island. He was one of the characters in it. And uh, also we had to get my granddad back. We had to get my granddad back out the house. He got a taste for it by then. Yeah, he's been on the record, hasn't he? But yeah, well, he's, he's speak, he does all the speaking on the Coral Island stuff. Um and then he he does Holy Joe, all the radio thing that Nick wrote. And uh, I don't know, I think in a way it's good. Sometimes you can write about now by like writing it, uh, I, by taking a distance from it. And if you get a bit of a concept, you can sort of write from a distance, which, which is sometimes you can uh, analyze it better. Yeah. I mean, do you see yourself as a storyteller? You know, when you wake up and, and do do what you need to do that morning and and like get down to like like work as it were do you see yourself as a storyteller sometimes yeah i'm a, a mood catcher probably more than i i i feel like a mood and then try and capture that mood you know of like of the day or the seasons or whatever or you'll feel those yeah. days or sometimes you see everything around you like a bird will fly above you'll see beauty around you and you'll try and capture that or Sometimes you'll feel something spooky and ghostly and you'll try and capture that or mysterious. Um, I always like, I've always liked mystery. I mean, mystery is so powerful, isn't it? Yeah, you can't really beat it. You're never going to have a Robert Johnson will always have that sort of be the ultimate for it. But, you know, there's they, you, it's it's never as good as the mystery, is it? You know? After it's it's like um, I, I was watching an interview with Ray Davis the other day, and he was talking about like moments and how as soon as you kind of recognise, oh, this is a special moment right now, then it's gone. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, yeah, that's why you try and take a little sort of photograph of it in your mind, or that, or you you capture it, and then yeah, sometimes it's a kind of straight up story, but that's still it always comes off just a mood. A mood washes over you and some, you might capture that within a story or you might capture it within something fragmented or a melody. But it's more about capture, catching a mood, really. That's more my thing. How do you get it down in the moment? You know, say if you're, 
you're, you're just leaving down, you're going down the house, you're going down into town. Will you write something down on your phone? Will you, uh, you hum something on your no, voice? Sometimes, no, not really. I'll just get, I'll just mess up. Sometimes they're, they're all different. Sometimes like Wild Bird off the new album. I just got Amazing. the mood of it. And within 10 minutes, it was all written. And then I filmed it. And then I, I put, we put the demo up on Twitter not too long ago. And that, that was it. It never changed really. From there, sometimes I'll have stuff that I've worked on for like 10 years and not finished it, but you need to finish an album. So, so you do it. Go down to Par Street Studios. Was that, were you going down kind of every other day? Will you take a, a tune down there when it's, when it's demoed, when it's practically ready? Um, Par Street was like, um, it, we were there for years and um, 10 years maybe just working in and out of there. I knew Chris and Rich who worked there. And then, it, we got told it was going to close down and Chris mm. who ran the place was like, do you want to make the last album in Par Street? Have you got any songs? And we were like, not really. We'll get some. So we'd go in and kind of just write the song on the day most of the time. Or you'd have a wow. half idea, but it's that thing. Mick, I think it was Mick Jagger who said, if you've got six weeks to do vocals, it'll take six weeks. If you've got six days, it'll take six days. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I've written I'm written songs. I mean, that was a lot of creativity, probably the last like three albums we've done. And I haven't really written a song next to that. These days I need to have a reason to write a song. Whereas when I was younger, I don't know, you're insecurity, you think you have to write a song all the time, but really no one's got that much to say. Yeah. And it makes me think that like that pressure, have you been through a couple of different like, different journey, you know, different ups and downs with that kind of thing. Cause when, you know, it's, it's your thing. That's what you, that's who you are. You know, you're a songwriter. You're, you're, you're the, you're the guy in the coral. Has that got on top of you at times? Have you, have you felt a bit of the weight of that? Um, I think when I was younger, I used to write for the sake of it. Probably too much time on my hands when I should have been doing other stuff. Might've made me songwriting better on some things. But um, these days I only write if there's a reason to write. Funny coming from someone who's about to release two albums. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a reason to write, (laughs) get out the house, do some recording. Um, And we'd sort of planned up to this point when we came back. We haven't really, and then now we're here, we're like, oh, we haven't really got a plan beyond this. So we may as well enjoy the hard work we did, you know, to sort of do these few albums. But yeah, I think at one time around Butterfly House, I felt like I was like becoming character in one of the songs rather than the guy writing the songs right. and it, it probably got on top of me then but since then no not really i just do when i do it i enjoyed it. it's like solving a puzzle you got a great ecosystem in in your area with you know your cousin miles kane and the mysterines bill Ryder jones of course there's lots of you know from from my point of view from like fans point of view it's like great these are people who are all kind of interconnected who who want to make music every, you know, all the time. That's like a real special thing to kind of, kind of see, you know, I don't really know any of you, but to see all of you like making records, it's a very special thing. Does it, does it feel quite special having that kind of uh, ecosystem? Not really. I mean, Miles lives in London. I did record some of Mysterine's early stuff. I haven't seen them since, but they're, they're a really good band, but I don't, you know, I don't see them or, yeah. It'd be a bit weird if I hung out with them. I'm 43. <laughs> so, but Zach out of Dream Machine, he's in, that, he's in our band on percussion and they share our rehearsal room. And yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're more a band that we'd see or, and I'm 
working with them on their album. Brooke Combe, I work, work, do a lot of stuff for there, but uh, she's based in Liverpool now. So you see, my brother, Modern Sky, my brother works for them, Run On, our yeah. label is on. That's more YC. Um, I think sometimes people will put their, you know, they'll be like, oh, they're all from the same place. But most people have got, especially once you're over 40, you're just either looking mm. after your kids or you're doing, you've got about four jobs or whatever. So the time you've got, you use for the band, really. Yeah. I mean, when you think about musicians who are starting today or bands who are starting today, do you think that they've got like a pretty, a pretty like tricky road ahead? Cause just in the way that there's no money in the music industry or like not half as much as there was 20 years ago or so. Yeah. Well, it's one of, I suppose where it's like, if you do it yourself and you own a track that hits, then I suppose there is money, but it's the chicken and the egg, isn't it? How easy is that? But if you hit now and you own it, you're absolutely flying. Whereas that probably wasn't really that possible. When we were doing it, it was a big tank of shit that took ages to turn around. If you wanted to do anything, you were signed to a major. But um, yeah, I mean, if I think about that stuff, I just end up pissed off, you know? So I'm kind of like, well, yeah. unless like massive artists are going to go on strike or do like what they've all done, you know, unless the Beatles and everyone pull all their stuff off and go, all the legacy artists, then I, I don't really know. I don't really know yeah. what, what I, I don't have that much opinion on it because I just end up wound up and, you know, the kids yeah. don't need to be around some fellow walking around being pissed <laughs> off at Spotify, do they? So um, it's like anything, yeah. I suppose, there's a good side and a bad side. But yeah, it does seem, I suppose the major labels are a big elephant in the room. How much have they got to do with it? I'd, I'd have to look into it more, but on the face of it, mm. yeah, it does. It seems like everything these days, all the people sort of doing the legwork are the ones who get the shitty end of the stick. That's a simplified version of it anyway. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. When you when you think about Mersey Beat, I mean, for for people who haven't, you know, been properly introduced to Mersey Beat, how would you? What what does Mersey Beat mean to you? To me, it's like it's like an old smoky club, and then I just project my version of it, which is like Mersey Beat produced by Joe Meek. And I just, it's like anything, you just go Mersey Beat and then you just use the genre for whatever you want, whatever you want it to be. I don't really, uh, I've never, I, it's a feeling, I suppose, but usually I like, I'll just be like, right, what would it be like if a Mersey Beat band did a noir soundtrack to some like neo-noir film and then write a song off that? So most things I've got, like my own projected versions onto something because, yeah, yeah, I live in like, maybe I live in 
some kind of dream world, I think. I mean, living in that, living in that kind of like dream world or like focusing, you know, living in your, in your Coral Island, have you, over the years, have you had to like protect that? Do you know what I mean? And like, you know, maybe there'll be distractions here and there. And sometimes you have to think, okay, I need to do something here so I can protect my imagination. You dip in and out of it. Sometimes you can get lost in it. It's like anything. It's a nice place to go, but then sometimes you got to go and face the world. But I can see why, like, J.D. Salinger just went away and wrote about the Glass family in his shed and never released it. And and I saw an interview with James Elroy, and he said, I reject this world. And he lives in, like, L.A. crime world of the 40s and 50s, 20s. And I, I could see how you could be like that. But um, yeah. sometimes it's, it's nice to... It's nice to have a bit of both. I've had it where I've been too far lost and then you can't face reality. So it's like anything, you want a bit of balance. It's a nice place to go. Sometimes when you, you know, you get the quiet hours, you can go there. Yeah. Mate, it's so good hearing these stories because, I mean, like I said at the very start, it's it's like you're, you're a lifer. You're a lifer of writing tunes. For someone like me where, you know, music is, is the most important thing in my life beside, you know, like family. And it... it it gives me so much like hope and like enjoyment. You know, I love hearing these kinds of stories is, do you, do you have many other people that do you have some people that you talk to about your, your attitude towards all of this? Or is it, are you mostly sort of in your own mind when it comes to this stuff? I don't like, like when we all get together as mates, we just talk absolute nonsense. And like me, you know, I don't really, I, my wife is not interested in any of the songs or anything, do you know what I mean? She doesn't, you know. Um, I can relate. My kids, you know, they, they're they just getting into music and stuff, but they're not interested in our stuff. I like it just being my my thing. And, yeah. you know, and like uh, we have our own language, the band. I think it will always be that way. It's like a one in a million chance you meet one other person, let alone a handful of people that you connect with on that very special level when you're in a rehearsal, when you're in a practice room or if you're writing together and you have this, this moment, I mean, that's just, that's such a special thing. Yeah. You know, you can take it for granted, but I think as I was saying in lockdown, when we were looking back on everything, I could see like, you know, that it, that it was a privileged, it was a privilege for me to be involved in that thing. And you know the yeah. the camaraderie, and that's the main thing about it. That's above the music, the friendship, yeah. the that that thing, that sort of bonding. Known people have got your back. That that's bigger to me than, in a way, the music is just a vehicle for for that. I often think like I'm a huge Billy Bragg fan, and the way that he play guitar. It's a vehicle for his message. Yeah, it was that sort of thing. Bruce Springsteen, he was saying the way he strums, to him it's the sound of resistance. And uh, oh. I think sometimes it can be like overt, sort of obviously political in the case of Billy Bragg. Sometimes it can just be like resistance to the shit that life throws at you. And you're just saying, yeah. I'm stabbed, you know. I don't really have a choice but to stand up to it. What other choice is there? And sometimes that that's the resistance that you're tapping into. Maybe that's what everyone's really talking about deep down. When you're listening to a record like that, you feel not alone. 
you feel like you've got an ally in that record in that person yeah if you think of if you write something that's true to you then it'll probably break down a barrier for someone else if it's true to them uh, i think you know honesty is probably the best policy when it comes to that stuff because someone else will have felt it yeah. i suppose it's a bit of a cliche saying you know if one person likes it but but i mean what else are you gonna do if you've got a right then you put it out there and you'd like to think people would connect to it or it would break down some kind of barrier for them it allows when when someone's got something deep inside of them and they, they really don't want to like face it or maybe it's something that's happened to them and they're like, they're, they're, you know, it's quite easy in life to hide things. It's actually quite easy in life to sort of lie to yourself a lot of the time. And when you hear a record that speaks about something that you can relate to on that specific level, all of a sudden it allows the listener, it allows you to be accepting of it or at least see it for reality. I, I more get that off like books, off like literature, films maybe, mostly books. Music is more like, it recognizes something in you, like a pain in you or a rage or a longing or it soothes you. That's more what I get from yeah. music. It's, or, you know, what I gravitate to. It, it more, it's more it recognizes something within me. I'll feel like it does maybe projecting, but that's what I get from music. Whereas a book, I would more, you know, there would be bits of, uh, in a book where I would maybe learn from it or I would think it would it would help me with the situation maybe sometimes music is so heavy I can't listen to it all the time sometimes it can be so heavy it can change the whole mood so I don't listen all the time to music some of my favourite records are the ones that make me feel like really lonely yeah, <laughs> I think like, maybe that's a man itself, pity. <laughs> we love <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> James, thanks so much for chatting to me. Great stories. Great to to hear about to hear about like how your mind works. To hear about your attitude. This thank you know nice one. Cheers for that. Thanks a lot, man. I like to end these. You know, like, like uh, I started doing these interview with my friends because they were in bands that I'd love, and like I mentioned earlier, would come home from tour and scatter around and try and clasp at jobs. I, I, I guess you probably haven't worked a part-time job in, in a long, long time. But what I do like to hear about is like, and I also feel a bit bad asking you because you said you don't, you know, you're not, you're not a massive person who looks back too much, but I like hearing about those kind of work fail, work gaff stories. I mean, every job that I've had, I've kind of got fired from usually because I'm like booking gigs on my phone in the toilet or running off and not coming back. You know, when, I, when I'm talking about those kinds of stories, have you got any, got any anecdotes in, in the back of your mind there? Me and, me and Nick went into what we thought was a cupboard, but it was the electric room to so have a spliff in my mum and dad's old pub. It was a three-story pub, blew the whole electrics, <laughs> completely uh, ended the whole pub for the whole day. And as the door opens, <laughs> yeah, the... the yeah, the manager came down, just pulled down, and we're just sitting there with a big Bob Marley split. <laughs> you didn't get in too much trouble. She just said, oh, "Don't tell me, Dad," and she was all right. She was sound. <laughs> 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 have you have you been a troublemaker? Are you a, are you a natural? Are you attracted to trouble? No, not really. Um, I always think stupid. Got to be a bit stupid if you get caught. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And I've always just been, yeah, I'm just a dream. I'm, I'm lost in a dream half the time. I can see it in one of, one of my kids is like that. And it's annoying. So I think, oh, I must be annoying to other people. Like, <laughs> I must have annoyed my mum and dad like that. Always <laughs> offering me on well. Hey, mate, thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to the double records. Um, and you must be excited. Sea of Mirrors and Holy Joe's Coral Island Medicine Show. It's a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking forward to seeing what uh, the fans think of it. It's more, we're sort of, we have a hardcore fan base and that's kind of what we're making albums for now. And if anyone wants to join it, great. But I think we sort of make them for them now. The invitation's open. It feels open. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, come and join us. Join the cult. Wicked, mate. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. No worries. All right, mate. So that was James Skelly, Sea of Mirrors. Their new album is out tomorrow. And Holy Joe's Coral Island Medicine show is out as well, only on physical format. Cheers for listening. I love doing these episodes. I love doing these chats. Speaking with James Skelly for this was an absolute joy. So cheers for joining us for that. You can leave a review or rating on Apple or Spotify. And if you can subscribe where you're listening to this, that'd be amazing. That does me and the show an absolute solid. I'll be back next week with Angel Dust, Teenage Wrist. And the week after that, I'll have Slaughter Beach Dog, who are an amazing band from the States. And if you're into the coral, I think you'll like Slaughter Beach Dog. That's with a comma in the name. See you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.